0: Welcome to the Bethel Church Austin Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Pastor Renee Evans. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit www.bethelchurchaustin.com.
1: Welcome. Welcome. We are so happy that you're here. Just turn to your neighbor and just say, You look good tonight. I love one of our pastors back home in Bethel. He gets you to hold hands with your neighbor and he's like, just squeeze it if you want a date. So you can just put a wink on that. You look good tonight if you want a date. Okay. I digress. Okay. Let's pray. You can just extend your hands towards me. Just say, Help her, Lord. Jesus. Wow. God, you're so good. You are the fulfiller of dreams. (laughs) We are just in awe of you. We love you. We love your word. We love revival. We love everything about you. Thanks for being here tonight, God. Thanks for coming in the very place that we're standing. In Jesus' name. Amen. I often have the thought of how small does God make himself that he would come into the room and that we would be able to worship without it killing us. Just me. I think about that all the time. Like he's so good and he's so big and he's so powerful. Yet he comes down and he touches us and he meets with us where we're at. I love him. I love him. I love that he called us to Austin. I love Austin. I love your city. It's now my city. So, <laughs> good times. Okay. I, um, I was reading uh, the other day and just having some time with the Lord, and I felt like he dropped um, just a message in my spirit that I wanted to share, and it's called Keys to a Revival Culture. Now, this by no means is the extensive or exhaustive list, and there are many, but these are just a couple that the Lord has been speaking to me about that I just wanted to share with you guys tonight, and I hope that it blesses you, hope that it encourages you, and I hope that it calls you to live a sold-out life for revival. Amen? Joaquin is in. You and me, babe. We got this. <laughs> Okay, so the first thing that I heard the Lord say is we need to continually be reminded that revival dictates culture and that culture doesn't dictate revival, amen? I think that we can, we live in such an age where culture is like, it's just cool to be relevant. And I can, I can confession times, sometimes fall into this trap. I, I love the creative. I love the expression of the creativity. I love excellence. I'm not into perfection much. hasn't worked out well for me. So. But I do love excellence. And so sometimes I have to stop myself. And I have to remind myself, oh, we don't want to just be relevant to culture. We want to transcend culture. Amen? And we as the body of Christ, we get the privilege to create culture and not to bow to culture. Amen? You know, all throughout the Bible is revival. God loves revival. You know, there's been many explanations of what revival actually is. And to me, revival means heaven on earth. That earth looks like heaven. And there's so many times in the word that God makes it clear that that's his desire. Jesus teaches us to pray on earth as it is in heaven. You just have to read the book of Acts to know that he kind of likes revival. Seeing all men saved was his idea. To see a nation saved in a day, also his idea. So I love this book. I love that it is the blueprint of revival. You know, I was I was just in the gospels and I was reading Matthew 5:18 and it says for truly I tell you until heaven and earth disappear not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. And again in Mark 13:31 it says heaven and earth will pass away but my word will not pass away. This is eternal. This is eternal. Revival is eternal. And culture is finite. It's ever changing. Ever changing. And we would be mistaken to think that this isn't as relevant today as the day that it was written. Because this is what dictates culture, not the other way around. Amen? (sighs) Thanks. (laughs) You know what? I'm an external processor. So this poses two problems. One, it's hard for me to put a filter on things that I'm about to say. So you have grace for me in that. But two, I love interaction. So, so an amen, hallelujah every now and then. It does me good. I feel like we're having a conversation and I'm not just like, you know, preaching to, you know, I don't know. I'm a mom of three small kids, so I do a lot of talking without any interaction back. Amen. So it's just fun when I get some. So feel free to just, you know, throw out some encouragement along the way. You know, one of the things that I believe is that revival has to be multi-generational. There are many of you who this may be your first time or maybe the launch conference was your first time. But I got to tell you, we have some amazing, incredible people in this family called Bethel Austin. Can I just brag on one of my favorites? And it's, and it's hard for me to pull out a favorite because honestly, there are so many that I run into the, into the problem that I'm just gonna keep talking and name them all. But there's one man who I just adore and his name is Bill Merton. I don't know, is he in the room? If you have not seen the parking team out there, you are in for a treat. This man not only heads up our parking team, but he is just a servant in the best way possible. His heart is to serve. I love it. And I look around at the different generations that we have in this church, and I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. You know, it's, it's actually an answer to prayer. You know, when we left Bethel-Redding, we just had this thought that maybe all of the young people who are coming out of BSSM, the ones that don't have, you know, a ton of responsibilities at the moment, they're probably going to be all the ones that come with us, which is awesome. But I was like, if you don't know my husband by now as well, it's like, sometimes he tends to attract like the crazy ones as well. So I thought, I thought, oh my gosh, we're going to have a lot of young non See? Those ones right there. But you know, I was so blessed that some of the first people to say, hey, we're in. We are coming with you. We're in their 60s. They were grandmas. They were grandpas. And I was like, yes. Yes. We need a multi-generational display of God's goodness. Amen. Amen. You know, we have had a move of God happening in our young kids at the moment, and it is just blowing my mind. If you guys have never seen a fire tunnel before, you're in for a treat. (laughs) But I tell you, some of these kids, they can't even make it through the fire tunnel. God is touching them, and they are weeping, and they are shaking under the presence of God. And I love that God uses the children bypasses intellect. They don't need to know. Most of them don't have control issues. They're just like, here I am! And it's the most beautiful thing. They're asking us if they can come in and lay hands on the grownups. That's just a good idea right there, amen? But you guys, it's an invitation. And it's meant to inspire us towards passion. Amen? You know, we just... Um, I'm going to use one of the things as Joaquin. It's a mandate that he believes that God has placed on his life. And that is to see revival passed from one generation to the next with increase. Yeah, come on. So that's what we're doing here. We've been given a measure and we're going to steward it as best we can and see it increase. And then we're going to pass it on to our kids and they're going to increase it. There is no one too young or no one too old to partake in revival. If you believe that revival excludes you, as opposed to includes you, then you have the wrong perception of revival. I also believe that revival is framed in diversity. That's one of the things I love about Austin. I gotta be honest, I love it. It's like a melting pot of culture and diversity. And it's awesome. I don't know if many of you have been to Redding, California. But it's lacking a little in the culture and diversity aspect. (laughs) And when I got here to Austin, I was like, oh, Lord. You walk down the streets. You hear people speaking different languages. You can eat whatever food you want to eat from whatever nation you want to eat it from. Oh, there's glory on that. Amen? I love it. But in order for revival to come and be sustained... We have to celebrate diversity. You know, I love the revivalists of the past. And you know, William Seymour, who knows who William Seymour is? He, he was the guy responsible for Azusa Street. Azusa Street was the revival that took place in California where the glory cloud was so thick on the floor, that the kids played in it. They played hide and seek in the glory cloud. There's accounts of people's ears growing back on. Where they'd lost an ear, it had just been formed in the glory. Countless miracles and countless salvations. But you know, he was a black man living in a white man's culture. This was way before the civil rights. You know, he moved, his parents were slaves, and he moved to Houston, and he would have to sit outside of the meetings because he wasn't allowed in. But praise God that he believed that God still had a purpose for him we would have missed out on one of the greatest expressions and one of the greatest outpourings that we have ever seen had he have thought, I can't do this. Wow. If he had have bowed to his circumstances. So you know, um, another revivalist that I love is Mariah woodworth Edda. You know, if you don't know these revivalists, I just want to encourage you just to do some research, just to study about them, because it will stir hunger in you like you've never had hunger stirred before. I'm telling you, it's going to get you stirred up for revival. It really will. You know, I love that she was a woman preacher. (laughs) You know, the fact that she was female... The fact that she was uneducated and the fact that she was timid, every single one of those reasons would have been enough for her to discount discount herself from revival. But she did it anyway. And she saw up to 20,000 people at a time come to her meetings. Getting healed, getting laid out in the spirit people would come to oppose her and they'd walk over the threshold and fall out in the spirit. (laughs) Man, that's good security right there. (laughs) You know, Hezekiah, he was the greatest king that there was. You know, it says that he was greater than all his, the people who went before him and all the people who came after him. You know, we often celebrate David, but it says that Hezekiah was even greater than he. And he was sworn in to reign at 25 years old. Who feels like they're equipped at 25, year old, 25 years old to run a nation? I don't even want to think of what I was doing when I was 25 years old. But I'm so glad that he didn't let age define his role in history. Amen? Every single gift that the Lord has given us plays an integral part in revival. I know I use my husband a lot as an example, he's my favorite preacher. And the two are one, so I feel like I can steal some of his messages and it's like legal. So, <laughs> but I'm not going to try to butcher this analogy of American football. Instead, I'm going to talk about soccer because <laughs> I know soccer a little bit better than I know American football. I'm learning longhorns, Yay. Hook em horns. Joaquin has banned me from doing the sign with my hands from the stage because I never get it right, so I'm not even going to try <laughs> But God is winning. God is winning. And he, in fact, is winning by so much that he's putting everyone in the game. That is really encouraging to a lot of us. (laughs) It is to me. He's putting in the water boy. He's putting in the cheerleaders. Soccer doesn't have cheerleaders, but that's okay. Cross them over. He's putting everyone in. And we're winning by so much that you're not going to mess it up. Isn't that a relief? That we don't have to be perfect we don't have to have our gifts all honed in and our skills so, you know, amazing, that we're the best at everything. We just have to give what we've been given, and He's going to increase it. Can I tell you, when I was younger, I felt like the Lord told me that I would preach one day. And to say I was scared... (laughs) is an understatement. I still remember the first time I got a microphone in my hand and I stood up on a platform like I forgot to swallow. You know when like you get so nervous that you speak too fast and you forget to swallow? Is it just me? Maybe. (laughs) I would start shaking the microphone and then I would forget to breathe and I was like, and try to get my words out and I was just a mess, you guys. I'm not kidding. I'm not saying this to, you know, entertain people. I I truly was. I was a mess. But you know what? I just kept saying yes. I did it messy. I did it imperfect. And I'm not going to probably be the next Joyce Meyer, and that's okay. But you know what I am going to be? Is obedient and faithful. And I will take that over polished any day. Can I just tell you when you're obedient, your dreams are going to come true. He cares more about the fulfillment of your dreams than you do. You know, we have every excuse in the book as to why we don't play an integral role in revival. I'm just a stay at home mom. What am I going to do? Oh, I have a nine to five job. I just sit in front of a computer all day. What am I going to bring? I can't lead worship like Makita can lead worship. I seriously can't. Like, <laughs> I would always wish, I'm like, Lord, give me the gift of song. <laughs> but I think I would make people turn away from Christianity <laughs> if they heard me sing. And that's okay. <laughs> Oh, no, no. Let's not focus on what we can't do, and let's focus on what we can do. You know, I realize that this is a blanket statement bordering on a little, you know, I don't know, I'm just going to say it anyway. This is my external processing coming through. But I feel like the older generation has kind of been taught to put their heads down to not really make much of a noise, to be humble means to be silent. And you ask them, you say, what are your strengths? And they're like, oh, I don't know, but I can tell you my weaknesses. And then the generation that's coming up now, the millennials, which technically I am one. (laughs) So me and us, you say, hey, what are your strengths? And they'll tell you a hundred, but not often be able to tell you their weaknesses. Because they get told every day that they're going to change the world. And guess what? They believe it. And it's working. This is the most cause-driven generation that there's been. But that's where the multi-generational revival aspect comes in. Amen. We need to call out the gifts and the strengths in one another, and we need to fill in the weaknesses of each other. Amen. But what we can't do is we can't afford to think that we don't play a part You know, if you don't live life the way that God created you to live life, you're actually robbing Him of worship. You know, no one can worship God the way that you were created to worship. And like Joaquin said, worship isn't just singing, it's everything we do unto the Lord. It's how we file our paperwork, it's how we send emails. It's how we comment on people's Instagram posts. (laughs) But we were all created to worship God. And if we're too busy trying to be someone else, he's the one who misses out. And we all miss out. You know, I heard a saying that said, the bravest thing you can be is yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And the scariest thing you can do is bring your gift to the table. You know, oftentimes we think um, that when the enemy attacks us, we mistake it for our voice or for God's voice telling us not to do that again, yeah. telling us not to step out again. You can tell what you're called to do because it's going to be the thing that frightens you the most. <sighs> Don't get me started, Mark and Michelle. <laughs> I will not be able to stop. Stop. Can we, can we get the vision statement put up on the screen, please, guys? I want to read our vision statement to you because there's a line in the vision statement that I just want to highlight that I believe is another key to seeing revival. Dun, dun, dun,
0: nah.
1: <laughs> oh, close, not quite. Next slide, or the one after. Nope. Getting warmer. I didn't give these guys much notice. So they're doing a great job, aren't they? Well done, guys. If you, if you can't find it, it's, it's OK. I can, I can remember it. Do, 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 do. Yay. There we go. OK. We are a church that passionately pursues the presence of God and seeks to continually be led by the Holy Spirit. We are passionate about equipping believers to become empowered saints and to raise up leaders who will influence cities, regions, and nations for kingdom purposes. Our heart is to foster vibrant families and a thriving community. We are a generous people willing to do whatever it takes to see lives transformed and revival sweep the nations so that Jesus gets his full reward. Amen. That sounds like a good idea to me. I wanted to highlight where it says that we are a people willing to do whatever it takes. I love the scripture in 1 Chronicles of David, how he goes to make an offering before the Lord. And we all know the story. Someone offers him a piece of land and says, have this land, I'll provide you oxen. And he says, I will not give... To the Lord, that which costs me nothing. Wow. Yes. I, um, I even asked Eddie earlier, I'm like, do you think I should add this part? It's kind of like hardcore. I don't want to scare people off. But, <laughs> but I'm just going to go for it anyway and ask for <laughs> forgiveness later. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the Lord... The Lord once spoke to me and he said, did you really give me your life or do you just lend it to me when it's convenient? And I want to ask you the same thing. Did you give your life to the Lord? Or do you just lend it to him when it's convenient? Because make no mistake, revival will cost you everything. It will cost you everything, but it is worth more than we could ever give. You know, I was, um, I was reading a magazine article the other day about Megan Mar- Markle. Is that her name? Megan Markle. Megan. Megan. Megan and Megan. We don't really have Megans in Australia, so everyone's just called Megan. Sorry about my <laughs> pronunciation. I know Megan is called Megan, but she's literally the only one I know. I just thought that was unique to her. But Megan... <laughs> I just thought her mom wanted to call her something a little different, you know. I don't don't know. Um, Just remember that I'm a foreigner. So so sometimes I say things that don't translate very well. But anyway, I was reading an article on Meghan Markle. And I'm so glad that now America has been brought into the royal family Yay! You know, as most of you know, Australia is part of the Commonwealth, and so the royal family of England is our monarchy. And so, you know, we follow, we follow the royal family, and, you know, it, it has a lot to do with... It's in all the magazines and in newspapers and all that kind of stuff, and um, we actually have our own princess which is kind of Australia's claim to fame in the royal family. It's not the British royal family, but it is the Denmark royal family. (laughs) But hey, we'll take it. Um, (laughs) She, this Australian lady, she married a prince. So she's now the princess of Denmark, which is pretty awesome. But I love that Meghan Markle is now part of the monarchy of England. And I was thinking on this and I was like, you know, in the, in the magazine article, it went through all of the things that she had to give up in order to become a royal. You know, all of the things that she had to let go of, some relationships. There's actually a pretty long list of things that are required of you when you become a royal. Uh, you're not allowed to own your own social media accounts. Don't know if you knew that, but you're not. Basically, you have someone telling you what you can and what you can't wear in public, how you should dress, how you should speak. But the influence that comes along with that job is far greater than if someone wasn't commissioned into the royal family. And, you know, I began to think, I'm like, oh, you know what? We call it an honor when an earthly king commissions someone into royalty, Yet when a heavenly king commissions us into royalty, we call a sacrifice. (laughs) I don't get it. It is... First and foremost, the greatest honor of our lives that we are commissioned into a royal family. Will it require us to let some things go? Will it will it dictate a little bit what our lives are gonna look like? But I tell you what, you will never have your dreams fulfilled. And the influence, as you will, with the king backing you. I'm not saying that it's going to be easy. In fact, it's going to be hard but I don't want us to shy away from the greatest thing that we could ever do because it's hard we were fashioned to withstand hard things but it's how we come out the other end that will determine our influence are you going to allow the Lord to make a pearl out of you Or are you going to allow the world to make dust out of you? I don't know about you, but doing normal Christianity, it's not worth it to me. But doing Christianity with God the way that he designed us to do it, sold out, not half in, half out, not a bunch of people who look good and are relevant to the world but have no fire in their hearts. It will cost us everything. And I guarantee you it will be the best adventure you've ever been on. You see, our city needs you to be sold out. Our city needs you to bring your gifts to the table. Can I tell you a funny story? Well, it's funny to me, but, you know. (sighs) Actually, Someone, it's about, someone here is involved in this story, but she's so sweet. I love her. Um, It was a few months ago, probably almost six months ago, I got a message in my Instagram inbox, and it was from a lady saying that there was a lady here in Austin who was in prison, but who had been to Bethel in Reading previously and asked if someone could come and pray for her. And so I thought, oh, I'll do it. And I felt like the Lord told me to. And so I was like, okay, I'll come. So it took a few months to get all the paperwork to go through and um, for the clergy, I'm clergy, (laughs) Um, to to come through. And and I went the other day. (laughs) And guys, on the way there, I'm, I'm not kidding. This is a conversation I'm having in my head with myself. It's like, okay, I'm about to meet with some people who are in prison prison, prison, I was like, ooh, let me remember everything I've done wrong so that I can show them how hard I am (laughs) so I can have some street cred. (laughs) Now, I won't go into details about my rap sheet because my parents are here. No, really. I'm talking about skipping school and stuff. It wasn't that big a deal. But But I have to tell you as soon as I got there, it all went out the window. I had reruns of prison break going through my head and I'm like, I'm going to die. I am going to die. It was a men and women's prison, so I didn't know that. I thought it was just a women's prison, which was a little less scary to me going in, but um, it was a men and women's prison and You guys, it was scary to me. I mean, it was scary. I felt very not hard. (laughs) And I was like, God, why are you bringing me here? What am I going to do here? How am I going to bring any hope? How am I going to be able to be relevant to the people in here? And he was like, Renee, I never called you to be relevant. Being all things to all men doesn't mean succumbing to culture. It means transcending culture with kingdom principles. And I thought to myself, you know what? If I can't be the hardest person in there, Which is just hilarious, but I was like, I'm going to be the softest person in there.
0: There
1: I'm going to bring me. (laughs) And the only thing I know how to bring is him. And him in me. So I'm now teaching a Bible study. At the prison, I'm going to be meeting up with my dear friend, Missy, back there. Hi. Love you. And we're going to teach. And I'm so excited. You know, I felt like the Lord gave me a download. And I'm like, oh, we're going to teach him to prophesy. They're going to prophesy over their inmates. They are going to bring breakthrough. They are going to bring joy. They are going to bring the Holy Ghost in that place. But you got to do something that you're scared of. I'm not the most comfortable in there. I looked a lot more confident than I was. I really almost peed my pants, but... <sighs> just continually amazed and we give it all to him and we just say yes to him what is on the other end of that yes and I want to encourage you this morning this morning (laughs) Joaquin mentioned that I've been sick the last few days right (laughs) tonight You have so much more to give. You have such a big part to play in revival. And it's not going to be the same without you. You know, the enemy's going to come against you when you say yes. But let him. Who cares what he thinks? I mean, do we live for Jesus or do we live for Jesus? Do we give him our lives or do we just lend it to him whenever we're going through joyful experiences? You know, I found that it's pretty easy to live for Jesus when you don't have much else to live for. And it's even easy to live for Jesus when he gives you abundance. But I tell you what, it's the mundane... Days of life that living for Him is going to change the world around us. Because I tell you what, people are just looking for the real deal. They're not looking for more religion, they're not looking for someone to tell them how to live. They're not looking for someone to condemn them and shame them into the kingdom. It's not our job. But they are looking for sold out people. Who are saying, I am willing to do whatever it costs to see Jesus get his full reward. Did you know Jesus won't get his full reward if you don't play your part? No one is too old. No one is too young. You're all exactly who you're meant to be. (sighs) Jesus. Hmm. Guys, I felt like I was meant to share this at at the beginning, I know it's a little bit different now because Joaquin is here, but I felt, I felt like the Lord told me to share a story because I felt like there was a declaration for us as a family on the end of it. And, um, you know, when I was, when I was pregnant with our second child, I, um, we had been planning a crusade in Colombia for months and months and months. I think before we ever found out that we were pregnant, and it just so happened that that um, the date that it landed on was three days, up, three day, three weeks after, before. <laughs> Sorry. Ugh, seriously, I need like caffeine or something. Um, three weeks before my due date, and so I'm like, oh, you know, it's fine. You go, babe. He's You know, he's going to stay. And then I had some dreams. The Lord often speaks to me in dreams. And when it's kind of more of a a warning dream, it usually happens three times. So I had three dreams that Asher, our son, would come sooner than expected. And so we called my mom and we asked her to change her flight so that she could come and cover the time that Joaquin wasn't going to be there. And so lo and behold, he leaves. And four days later, I went into labor I was probably in labor for six or so hours, in denial labor, (laughs) before I actually admitted that I was in real labor. So I'm like, I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it's fine. This baby's not coming. We're just going to wait until dad gets home. (laughs) But he did not want to wait. So, um... So, you know, I remember making this phone call and I was trying to get a hold of Joaquin. He was in a remote village and, and no service. And I'm like, can you please call me when you get a chance? Um, and then I was like, I'm just going down to the hospital. I'm pretty sure it's like nothing. They're going to send me home. I'll be fine. And then my next phone call was like, I'm having a baby. <laughs> And Paul Joaquin was, you know, in Colombia and it was it was really hard on our family for like a couple of days where we were just like, Oh no, like, you know, the dad is meant to be there when their son is born into this world. But you know what? We just had this sense from God that he was still to go, even though the Lord told us that he would come early. And you know, they got to see this team got to see twelve hundred souls. One to Jesus. 1,200 souls. And you know, I said to the Lord in that moment, I was like, God, I was like, I am declaring that because of the sacrifices that our family made to see these souls won, that my son will see 10 times, 100 fold, the souls won to the Lord than what they did in Colombia. And I believe it. You know, Joaquin was meant to preach tonight. And I know how hard it is for him that he can't because he's sick. But I felt like the Lord said, You know when you made that declaration? You know when you turned a bad situation into good? You know when you made a demand on heaven? You know when the enemy tried to rub you, how you believed that God would repay you. I actually believed that about this this night tonight, and I felt like the Lord said, "The enemy bought the sickness, but God's going to have the last laugh." <laughs> And so I want to declare over us as a family that we are going to be a house that is known for the healing of the sick. We are going to be a house that is known for salvations. Amen. We are going to be a house that is known that when you walk through these doors, depression leaves. We are going to be a house that is known that the lame will get out of wheelchairs and walk. Amen. Amen. Because I am mad at the devil <laughs> And I don't care what it costs us. I don't care what it costs us. Whatever it takes, this house. Will be a house that is known for redemption. Yes. That is a house that's known for healing. Yes. That is a refuge. Bethel, Austin, we have great things in store. He just wants our yes. You know, when my daughter was three years old, she prayed for a man. There were other people as well praying. But she got to see that man walk for the first time in 19 years. My three-year-old. I don't know about you, but that's worth it to me. That is worth any hardship that I can come against. is that I can say to my kids, the Bible, it's all true. And there's no other way to do Christianity than to live a life laid down. Because the reward is so much greater than we ever could imagine. We're officially commissioned into the royal family. Amen. I get messy sometimes. (laughs) I'm going to get Eddie to get up in a minute. I believe that he has an impartation for us that he's going to release. But let's just make a commitment together. Let's just make a commitment that if we believe that revival excludes us, then there has to be a different interpretation of revival because it includes every one of us. And I don't know about you, but I want to give him everything. I want to give him all the worship that he deserves. Jesus. Jesus can get Thank you, Jesus. 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 If you just want to give it all to him, I just want to invite you to stand. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, then just trust me and stand anyway. You won't regret it. Thank you, Jesus. I
2: will give you all my worship. I will give you all my praise. You alone I long to worship. You alone are worthy of my praise. And I will give you all my worship. I will give You, own my praise, you alone I long to worship, you alone are worthy of my praise, and I will give
1: that there's people in the room tonight that want to give their life to Jesus. That they just want to give him everything. That they want their plans to fall at his feet. He will orchestrate a life for you that is far better than you could ever dream or imagine. And there is always promise at the end of our yes. I just want us to sing this one more time. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
2: And I will give you all my worship I will give you all my praise you alone I long to worship give you all my praise.
1: Giving us the honor of being commissioned into your royal family, God. Thanks for giving us the privilege to worship you in our strength and in our weakness, God. You know, I, um, I once heard a prophetic song that changed my life. I'm not going to sing it. I'll just say it. <laughs> but it went like this. It went, I don't have to get it to get it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have to get <laughs> it to get it. <laughs> Everyone needs their own makita. <laughs> we don't have to get it to get it we don't have to get it to get it (laughs) we don't have to always understand we just have to say yes Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit www.bethelchurchaustin.com.